We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. Gabe, we have a litany of women's basketball topics to discuss. And first, we're going to start with number one. Oh, yeah. South Carolina taking on number two. Stanford, what a series of epic proportions this was in terms of drama with South Carolina fighting back from a program. That was crazy. I was going to say program worst, but program best. What do you say when they they fought back from a program record, 18 point deficit uh, to win that game? I mean, they just showed resilience and just grit and toughness to come yeah. back against Stanford in that game. The South Carolina team, I've, we've said on, I think on almost every podcast we've talked about college basketball this year, this team is just incredible. From the coaching, like Don Staley just had some really great X's and O's adjustments in the second half to start at, uh, to stop that Princeton offense. And of course, Stanford was hot in the first half, cold during the yeah. second half. That's how basketball works, but she took yeah. advantage of it. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what more I could say about Leah Boston. So I'll just give you her stat line against Stanford, the number two team in the country, 18 points, 11 rebounds, five blocks, four steals. Just give her the player of the year already. Right. There, there's not a, there's not a debate. That's the player of the year. It is. And, you know, for me, it felt like she had 10 blocks. I don't care. Like oh. every time she was contested in the paint, Incredible. she said, no, 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 no. On a repeat, on a loop. Mm-hmm. She was insanely good on the defensive end. And yes, her 18 points and that baby hook right in the middle of the paint. Oh. Unstoppable. Just awesome footwork. 
ability to have great body control in there, knowing that she's going to draw, you know, a lot of different defensive actions coming her way. But she was just amazing to me in terms of what she was able to do on both sides. Like it wasn't just her offense. It was her defense as well. That was tremendous. And wow, four steals from the post position. I mean, you're doing your work down there. If you're getting five blocks and four steals. No, and and you can see how much work has gone into her conditioning, being able to be physical for all 40 minutes of a game on both ends of a court. Because last year, at the beginning of last year, we we, we kind of questioned her uh, conditioning because she was missing a bunch of free throws. And you brought up the good point that that's a conditioning issue. And and I think she talked about throughout the season how her conditioning was an issue. And then this year you could see not only is she, she looks more in the Asia Wilson model of big. Yes. All right. I actually kind of want to bring this up. Is she better than Asia Wilson was at South Carolina? I was, you know what? I was going to tweet something last night. Not necessarily she was better, but she looked like and reminded me of Asia Wilson last night. But I was so you know, like engaged in the game that I said, oh, I'm not going to tweet that. I was, it was back and forth and I was like going crazy. So, but I did think that last night yeah. in the game, especially in the second half, I was like, wow, she's doing it on both sides. Her energy is amazing. I think there was one block that she had down there. And I think it was on, on Wilson on the yeah. other side, yeah. number three for Stanford. Um, oh. She blocked her shot so hard and like just stood there. And I was like, that looked like Asia Wilson. I, I like, don't think a shot on Wilson from Stanford. <laughs> I don't think a shot has ever been more blocked than that shot. Cause it did, it barely left Anna Wilson's yeah. hand. And, yeah. and it was immediately spiked into the earth. I thought I was going to leave it dead in the court. That's, That's how awesome. hard she hit it. Like it made That's this awesome. noise like, oh God, they're going to need to go out there and replace the hardwood because yeah. of how hard she spiked the ball into the ground. I don't know what you do about her. I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's anyone that can stop her. She actually took four threes, which I found yeah. interesting. Um, she's mm-hmm. definitely willing to do it. She, she, her first one was awful because she was just so jacked up. You know, it, yeah. when you get, when you get like that and you're just like, I'm going to shoot it. And it went, you know, clanged off the backboard and the rim and went sailing. But um, I don't know what you do about it. I don't think there's a, a player or a program that can really stop her. Because I said, I thought in the first half, I was like, wow, Stanford has a great matchup. Like they actually have people who can stand yeah. up to Aaliyah Boston and not get killed on the offensive glass. And <laughs> right. by the end of the game, they had lost the offensive glass battle 18 to 11, right? Like they yeah. lost the rebounding battle. Actually, they won the rebounding battle, but the, that offensive glass battle was huge. And that's, I think, a big reason why South Carolina won. I just don't know how you stop Leo Boston because you need to send two players to her. And then once you do that, well, guess what? You have a bunch of other giants and great players around her. I, it's just an incredible team. Destiny Henderson, too. Yeah. Three weeks off. Three weeks, she had an injury. And she, you know, you could see on the bench how much she wanted to be out there with her team. They took care of business. But getting her back just oh, put man. them right back into that, like, we're, we're pretty much unbeatable if, if things right. are going well. Yeah, no doubt. And, and when you said, you know, about the Giants being around Boston, <laughs> I mean, I know, you know, it's not the stature on the outside, but what a giant Destiny Henderson was in that game, oh, man. Okay. I mean, her hands, lightning speed reactions getting live ball turnovers when South Carolina needed something to get them going and she was that spark plug for them no doubt about it I was calling her AI I was just like look at little AI out there I mean 
that's how disruptive she was defensively, mm-hmm. but also that's how impactful she was on the offensive side. I mean, she was just the X factor for sure for South Carolina in terms of their mojo and their fight back ability in that second half. I mean, down by 14 at halftime, down by as much as 18, a program record. And then you come back and you fight and you, you circle Aaliyah Boston's numbers because they're gaudy and mm-hmm. incredible. But you also have to look at the energy and the underbelly and the untold story of Destiny Henderson and her impact on this game. Yeah, no, Hendo was unbelievable. And our right, actually, is her nickname Henny? She goes by Henny, not Hendo. It's Henny. Henny? Okay, Henny. Henny, All right. yeah. Henny was incredible. And whatever you want to call her, that's what she was. Because, I mean, she she just really has that sense for the moment. I do like that AI comparison. I would say it's AI in college, though. More so. No, no, than, no. no. Philly. Philly AI. Uh, I, I was thinking. I, he kind of, it, it kind of looked like AI at Georgetown, where it was oh, just yeah. that defense, yeah. those little pokes. The, like, yeah. She had so many of those little pokes. in South Carolina, in general, really caught Stanford because the Princeton offense is methodical. It is the yeah. same thing. Every yeah. single play Stanford runs comes from almost the same set. There's different variations, obviously, but it's almost the same movement every time. So it right. requires patience. In South Carolina, what they did in the second half, led by Destiny Henderson, yeah. was start poking the ball out. So you couldn't just stand there mm-hmm. in the high post or even at the three-point line because that ball was coming out. So they forced Stanford to make decisions faster. It forced them into turnovers. Stanford ended up with 20 turnovers. And yes. then it, it just kind of came up in the offensive end for South Carolina and they, and they pulled away in this game. And I yeah. think that, I think Henny was a huge part of that. Latissa and me here as well. I want to count, I want to shout her because she took over uh, guarding, guarding Lexi Hall for a little bit. She guarded pretty right. much everyone on the roster for Stanford. Right. Um, I just thought her defensive versatility was really incredible. And that's just, that's a player on the bench for this team. <laughs> It's like they're bringing her off the bench. They're bringing uh, Camilla Cardoso, who's who's seven foot. Like she's not. She played six minutes because they just they have too many options. They have too many options, and I'm just so impressed constantly by the South Carolina team. You look at the season they're putting together already. uh, Wins against a number five NC State, number nine Oregon, number two UConn. We've already talked about those three since the last time we recorded their last three games. Wins against. Number eight, Maryland. Number 15, Duke. And number two, Stanford. I guess the question, though, the question for me, is this team going to go undefeated? Because I know the SEC is a great conference, but the rest of the schedule looks really, really easy by comparison. I mean, uh, just the way that they fought back. I mean, that motor that that Mm -hmm. team had. uh, And Dawn Staley at the helm. And she saluted the fans. She calls the fans the fans. She saluted the fans there after the game. And I mean, it was just a great atmosphere. And I think, you know, the SEC, like you said, is definitely tough. I mean, Georgia beat NC State. So, I mean, these are teams that are going to be going for it uh, during their uh, conference battles. But when it comes down to the end in February, when we're preparing and talking about NCAA tournament, who do you think is going to win it? And I know that's fast forwarding mm-hmm. today, Gabe, I am calling it and we can hold this recording. I'm calling that that South Carolina is the front runner right now, right now to win it all at oh. the end of the season. I'll go a step further. 
I'd be shocked, not surprised. <laughs> I'd be shocked if this team does not complete the job. And, you know, injuries can happen. And, but they had, didn't have Destiny Hunter for some no. three weeks and they beat three top 15 teams, you know? And I just, I don't, I don't, I, I'd be shocked. I'm going to go a step further and say, I am, will be shocked if this team does not win the championship because of all the things they got going on. And frankly, like, you know, they could even falter in the SEC yeah. schedule. And there'll still be a one seed. I don't under, like, there's not, oh, they have, well, how many did I say? I said six wins against top 15 opponents. And it's not even New Year's yet. It's December 22nd. That's incredible. That's, That's incredible. Insane. That's an incredible that basketball team. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how many more things I have to say about them because I know we're going to have to come up with some things. We were talking about South Carolina all year, but this great. team is great. Uh, the only set, I, I want to hear if you're concerned about this, like Zaya Cook, one for nine. Yeah. She she's had some games where it's up and down. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, this player is like the best player. You know, this is one of the best players in the country. She she's like the person I want to take the last shot. And then other games like this, I'm, I'm a little worried about her. Are you right. any concerned about Zaya Cook? I think she has to be consistent. Uh, you know, I, we know that she's good. We know that you know she is uh, one of the staples to what South Carolina likes to do. Mm-hmm. on offense and defense for that matter. And so I just think it's consistency that is, uh, you know, ringing in my head. Mm-hmm. Can you night in and night out be that player that we know you are? And I'm sure Don Staley has had that oh, conversation yeah. with her um, sure. watching film and, and whatnot. Uh, and I'm not sure what it is that that is taking her uh, out of her rhythm or out of her her routine or what she likes to do on the floor. And it's hard. Like you said, like there are so many players on this team that can kill you if you try to shut down another. And I think this is a great example of that. And while Cook has not been producing her typical numbers and Mm -hmm. her typical stat line, South Carolina is still winning games. And that just speaks volumes to their depth and their balance. But having her at her best that game's not close and and that makes a difference so yes it was dramatic yes they had to fight back but with cook playing at the level we know she can compete that game is is a different game for sure it's way less fun so i appreciate it (laughs) thanks for thinking of us watching this game (laughs) that part She's just an entertainer. She just wants it to be entertaining. Um, No, yeah, I think she'll be fine. I think, you know, uh, to a certain extent, this is also something that teams can prepare for. You know, there's not much you can do about Leah Boss. I think one of the things you can take away is those pin downs, um, is those sets that they like to run for Zia Cook to to get catch and shoot opportunities and, you know, force her to, to do some things that she's not, she doesn't like as much. I think when, as teams have gotten more tape, and especially after she has a big game like she did against Maryland, they can kind of adjust to her. Right. And then that's something that, you know, we can take that away so we could take it away. And I think if her team wins, I don't think she cares at all about her right. numbers. So um, that's just True. one thing, you know, we have to pick nits, right? Like there has to be <laughs> something. Um, the On Stanford, so I, early in the game, obviously they were up by 18. Yeah. I was saying, I was thinking like, this is a team that has a great matchup for South Carolina. They have enough size in the interior to at least yeah. compete on the glass. And like I mentioned, they, they won the rebounding battle. 
They have right. enough shooting to spread South Carolina out. They have enough speed to push it in transition. They have a great coach. They have a great system. That's not going to, you're not going to get too out of sorts with it. However, the turnovers have been killer all year, 20 turnovers year. in this game. And we can go back through all of their other games and you'll see plenty of turnovers in their losses. So yeah. on Stanford, where do you see this team uh, in terms of the hierarchy of uh women's basketball issue? Well, I mean, I'm going to fall back to that word again of being consistent. I think, mm -hmm. you know, having that 18 point lead, you know, sometimes human nature yeah. can, can give you a fool's gold. Uh, okay. The game is one. No, two halves. And so I think sometimes you can get a little comfortable. I love the chess match between Tara oh. Vanderveer and Don Staley. Tara Vanderveer coached Don Staley in with USA basketball. You know, they have a long history of respect and knowing one another throughout the game. And obviously Stanford and Virginia played when Don <laughs> was playing there. So it, I just love that whole full circle moment, if you will. But with regards to what Stanford needs to do moving forward, they have to keep their foot on the gas pedal. And I'm sure that's something that Tara mm -hmm. Vanderveer discussed with the team. I just think that Cameron Brink, I don't think she should have been the one at yeah. the end of the game to okay. get that ball because Aaliyah Boston was just taking her lunch money every time she came in there for the most part. I don't know what the percentages were when she was matched up with Boston. That was quite a gamble. And the fact that Brink took a mid-range turnaround fader um, mm -hmm. in crunch time, I don't know if that's where they wanted to go. I thought that Brink should yeah. have stayed up at the elbow area and, and Haley had a, a mismatch because she had Destiny Henderson on her. I'm like, back her down. Like, that's what I was thinking. And I know, I, you know, I don't know what was drawn up in the huddle, so I'm not trying to, to coach Stanford. So I think they just need to make better reads. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes the defense is going to take away your initial plan, right? Yeah. Coming out of the, the huddle, sometimes, okay, we're running this. Oh, they doubled or, oh, they switched that, or, oh, they did something that's going to change what we do. So there has to be a, a good read at that moment. That's just my thought. I think, you know, late game decisions are, you know, what, what can do you in or can win you games. And I just thought that was a critical possession for Stanford. And I just think moving forward that those instances – on the court, and this is not an indictment of Tara Vanderveer mm -hmm. by any stretch because she is revered by me and so many others, but just for the players, I think sometimes you come out with the best laid plan, Gabe, and things yep. change because of what the defense does. Yeah, I think it was a read situation, like, like you're saying. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it was, it was probably drawn up to either run a normal Princeton set with some variation, mm -hmm. maybe to get Haley Jones in that, in that mismatch with Destiny Henderson. Mm -hmm um but there's also it's just like you have to go fast I think I understand why Brink did it I don't think that was the play obviously the play was to set up that post up to Brink to then do something or try to go towards the basket but I think you know when when you're told you have to go fast because we're down one you have to do you know I, I think that kind of gets muddled in the situation I understand why Brink thought she had to go fast, especially because she had all those yeah. fouls and she had, she had had moments yeah. where she was trying to make up for it. So I think she was just pressing 
a little bit and maybe didn't see, you know, Haley Jones or didn't see the ability to throw it back out and just thought, Hey, I'm going to shoot it. And to her credit, it almost went in, you know, she's one of those players. It it was a bad shot, but Hey, a bad shot makes a great highlight. So I, it would have been, if she makes it, it's a different story, but I agree with you. I would, I'm a little, I was a little um, disappointed in that final effort there. Um, But I I just, I, I'm not going to, I'm with you. I'm not going to question. Yeah, no. But here, here's why Stanford is eight and three rather than eight. And obviously one of those games they play without Haley Jones. Um, But the here uh, they are eighth in in the eighth percentile for free throw percentage, shooting 61% from the line. That'll lose you games. They're, they're turning the ball over. Actually, the turnover rate's not that bad. They're in the 66th percentile for turnovers per game on herhoopstats.com. So 15.6 turnovers per game, that's really bad. And when you look at their losses, you look at how high those turnover percentages are in those games. It, it, it becomes very clear that those are the problems. You got to make free throws. Yeah. You got to, you got to not turn the ball over. And I know you as a coach have probably said this, you know, a million times, right? Like yeah. you got to take care of the ball. You got to hit your free throws. And if you do those two things, you're giving yourself a chance to win. I think Stanford's taken away a chance to win um, with those things. And, and hopefully it improves throughout the season um but you know it, it is a little disappointing when a team's not good at free throw shooting that is uh that is one of my pet peeves yeah that and the turnovers you're talking about I just think you know Stanford it, it's yes South Carolina drove that bus home and, and got that win yeah. and you know they had to fight for it when you're talking about a team like Stanford it's it's frustrating because you know that those things are correctable right and like you said, the free throws and the turnovers, those start adding up in terms of possessions lost when you don't maximize. I mean, your free throws, you go up there for two shots, that's a possession. You get that ball turned over live ball and Henderson's going the other way, that's possession that you don't even get an yeah. opportunity uh, to score You know, when you're turning the ball over. But I think you're right. It's more frustrating when, when free throws aren't made because obviously there's no defense. Obviously, it's something that you work on every day, and it's a focus factor. I just think that when you when you have those opportunities to win a, a two-possession game and you look back at your, your free throw percentage for the game and you're like, man, we left so much there that we, you know, we, we could control. Like, if we just go up there and, and go through our shooting mechanics and knock those in, it's a game changer. And, and that's frustrating, too. But it's also encouraging because you know you put that work in mentally because you already know how to shoot. Yeah. You've shot it since you were three years old. Like you understand what it takes to get the ball. It's just a matter of focusing. And I, I am a testament to that. Like in high school, I could not shoot free throws very well at all. And I've busted my behind, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to change that because I didn't want it to be on me, you know, like for the team. I you know, I wanted to be able to help the team as much as I could. And my freshman year of high school didn't happen for me. Yep. Missed free throws with seven seconds left. And that was the game. And I thought that was on me. And my coach told me, hey, this it's the whole team. It's not on you. And I'm like, that's on me. No. <laughs> I'm like, and it's never happening well, again. It's never happening again. And it's something in your control. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, to this point about free throw shooting, I, I think Cameron Brink, she's a great player. And sometimes you watch her and you're like, man, she has so much talent, but 
it, it, both her free throw shooting, she's shooting 47.9% right now. Uh, and her fouls are, have to get under control. I mean, those two, yeah. that the, the free throw percentage needs to go way up. The foul rate needs yes. to go way down because yeah. she's a great player. But honestly, at this point, I really think this team is better with Ashton Krechtel on the court than with Cameron Brink. And you saw in the first half, Brink went out yes. early with a couple fouls and the team kind of caught fire when Krechtel was out there. And we saw this in the final four. We saw this through the tournament last year that Krechtel does something for this offense that gets them going uh, in a different way. And I think you right. know, Brink is just not there yet. And I just, we see so much potential from her. So I hope she, I think she, I mean, eventually I think she's going to get together. I hope it comes together this season because I want to see this matchup again, hopefully in the yes. tournament and in, in, in the late stages of the tournament, maybe the final four. Oh yeah. That'd be a great, yeah. that'd be a great third. Yeah. You need a trilogy, right? All the great boxing matches, <laughs> trilogies, great movies, got trilogies. This rivalry needs uh, a trilogy. Um, yeah. So anything, anything else on Stanford? Yes. That last play where, <laughs> where Leah Boston lost her balance on the free throw line, we're talking yeah. about free throws anyway. Let's talk about that for like just a whole moment because what are your thoughts on that? I mean, they showed the huh. replay. She was hee hee up on her toes like Michael Jackson and she didn't fall in the lane first, but yeah. her body momentum was in question. What do you think on that? I think it was the right call. I think I believe you went to the lane first. That's the rule. Yeah. Hey. It's kind of in, in football, they have this issue with like uh, offensive linemen or actually what it was, it was, it was a defensive um, players drawing oh, yeah. other, the other team off sides. Cause everyone right. does the clap snap now. So in football, everyone does a clap snap. So the defensive right. players are clapping and then they had to outlaw that. So maybe we have to outlaw this on the, on the lane violation where you're kind of, cause she was kind of pulling her over, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just her momentum, but I think what, what really drew Believe in was, the fact that she was trying to get that position and uh, Boston was moving in, moving in, moving in. And then believe you just had to go yeah. because it, you're, you're kind of like, you're kind of pulling on each other. So I oh, think it was the right call, but um, you know, maybe there's a rule change there that they could, they could look into. Cause she, I think she was definitely yeah. drawn into the lane violation. She's drawn in. She was drawn in and it was the proper call according to the rule book. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you're reading the rule book, that's what it says, but they don't say anything about, you know, doing the tap dance, swinging of the arms backwards, trying not to fall in the lane. <laughs> They'll have that in there. But man, I believe his foot went in first. It was like one, two, very clearly on the, on the uh, replays there. And you saw Boston did her best on yep. all 10 of her toes. Do you hear me? She was up on all 10 of those things. And kept herself out of the paint first anyway. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was an interesting way to end the game. And yeah. you could see Tara Vanderveer, like they replayed it so many times. So I was watching different things every time. And I saw Tara Vanderveer's face right away saying, oh, yeah. like we need to look at that. She was saying, look at it, like replay that. Because I, I think she thought Boston pushed her in. I thought Boston was in first at first. Because you, like you're saying, she was oh. on all 10 retributors. I was like, I think she's in first. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, Hey, put that on the player of the year compilation end of the year. That's a, that's a player of the year play. Um, there it is. That's a player of the year play. Just heady, smart play from Malia Boston, I guess, or just being super lucky. 
um, both those team, both those things going into being a great player, right? So yeah, we should we should move on though. We've taken a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just that one, that one no. little play. That was that was impactful though. That was a big play. No, it was a huge but... play. It was a huge play. Um, so yeah. I, it was that was that was really interesting though. I, I I maybe we should have a longer talk about the lane violations. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts on lane violations just generally. We don't call enough of them. So I'm glad they yeah. called one, but that one was really obvious and it, it was kind of weird. But um, at the time of the game, right? Time and you score, call it. that made it dramatic. You gotta call it because she's in the you lane before the, like well before the shot not at the well, time it, it wasn't close so they had to call it but um oh i should tell everyone to subscribe to our youtube channel if you're watching us on youtube yeah hopefully that means i put it up on youtube um yukon we've we've gone way over our time on everything oh uh, that's okay we'll be brief here i will give you all of the the yukon stats because i know there's people that are going to relish in hearing all of the bad things that are happening to yukon at the moment so they have lost to number one south carolina a unranked Georgia Tech team and number six Louisville recently. The Georgia Tech loss was their first unranked loss since 2012. 44 points is their worst offensive output since 2006. They are six and three. Their worst start since 2004. They are ranked 11th, which means they have fallen out of the top 10 of the AP poll for the first time since March 7th. March 7th, 2005. I was 13 years old. 313 weeks. Oh, was I? No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> they, and they have, so they have been ranked for 533 consecutive weeks. They'll probably continue that because their schedule gets a lot easier. And they haven't lost consecutive games since 1993. They're for, hoping to avoid that uh, when they play Marquette. Those are all the bad things that have happened to UConn. My question to you, can they still get a one seed? Well, that's not all bad things that have happened to them because they have a boatload of injuries too yeah. and that yeah to add that on to all oh yeah I, I thought it was a given i mean so <laughs> yeah. obviously Paige becker's out az fudd's out nika mole i think is still out um He's still out yeah so it's it's tough i mean they're they're rolling thin but yeah what, what do you what do you think i mean because Paige is supposed to be out for until you know at least the end of february right um az fudd is is unclear when she's coming back so i mean are you, are you worried are you worried about them i i'm worried because as we were talking about south carolina and how destiny henderson uh missed three weeks and south carolina didn't miss a beat mm -hmm. and i think that's just one player i know that mm -hmm. but at the same time you know they're also missing a, a high-powered freshman who came in and she's out with a knee injury too for south carolina so i mean they're missing players i think it's a concern because they haven't been able to win without those players on the floor. And yes, uh, they're upsets and I get it, but it's the same way when Maryland went to the Bahamas with six players mm -hmm. active and they lost those two games down there and everyone's like upset. And I'm like, they have injuries. Right. <laughs> and so, yes, it's bad that they dropped out of the top 10 for the first time since whenever, but it's also, and it's not an excuse, it's reality. So don't get my comments twisted. Like I'm, I'm patting them on the back, like, whoa, whoa, it's okay, baby. Like, it's not like that. But let's just look at what we're looking at. Like bare bones, like they're missing key pieces to their team. Maryland in the Bahamas, they were missing key pieces to their team, two starters and a six man mm -hmm. that are impactful players statistically and defensively. Um, I just think that, you know, we're talking about them. I am concerned because they haven't been able to, to get those top 10 wins 
or top 15 wins and beating a non-ranked Georgia Tech team who plays staunch defense, by the way. Yeah, and Nell, Nell Fortner is amazing and what she's been able to do down there. And Nell, yeah, if she's listening. Um, <laughs> but I think that it, it's, it is a concern for me, for them to be able to sustain expectations when you talk about UConn. And they lost to, to transfer as well in the last month. Right. Poffenberger left and the other kid just left last week, right? So yeah. they lost two kids to transfer. They have four injuries, you know, and then they have players that are trying to hold the fort down and they, they're tired, man. <laughs> like, yeah. They're going to play bigger minutes. They have different roles. They have, you know, Westbrook has got to, you know, everyone's like, yeah, it's, she's got to do it. And I'm like, everybody else knows she has to do it too. The opponents know she has to do it. So they're going to sit in her lap. So now it's tougher for her. They so all need to do yeah, it. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about UConn right now. I'm concerned about UConn too. I mean, I think obviously like getting more bodies is going to be huge, as you're saying, for the minutes and they get tired. For sure. But it's just this offense, it's just stuck in the mud. And I, I think, you know, maybe getting a break now with Christmas, it'll, it'll be nice to kind of get away. And then you're not thinking about it as much. Um, but man, it's just like, you look at the offense and there's just nothing, nothing going on. There's yeah. not enough movement. You know, I, I really appreciate the what, what Stanford does is like, you know, they like I mentioned, they have their sets. So it's like, okay, we, we're missing someone. Well, you step in and you know what you're supposed to do exactly on every play. And I think with UConn, they just got into such a rhythm with, okay, Paige is going to do this and Paige is going to do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, then it, it, she took over so much of their offense that it now becomes a problem um, that they don't have her. But I, I think, you know, this team should, has a ton of talent. They should be better um i think georgia tech as you mentioned really good team yeah uh, underrated i think they're uh, they should be ranked heading into the end of the season mm-hmm. but that's not a team i think that should be beating even this uconn team even this injured uconn team i think that's a very mm-hmm. disappointing loss for them because i think they're better than than that georgia tech team is even with all the injuries so yeah. i am concerned i don't think they're going to get a one seed because i think they would have to win out which means they right. absolutely have to beat South Carolina in that rematch. Yeah. Yeah. And they absolutely have to beat Tennessee. I'm not sure even beating South, maybe beating South Carolina is enough if they win the rest of their conference games. But if they don't, they have to, they have those two big games that they have to win because the Big East, you know, no offense, not the yeah. strongest conference in the world. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they're going to have trouble getting up to that one seed. I, I think they're going to, we'll, we'll see how good. Uh, Kristen Williams and Rabina Westbrook and Olivia Nelson and Dota. I need to see a lot more from y'all. Um, yep. They have a lot of great players. So I expect, I expect more from UConn, even with these injuries. Yeah. I think a lot of people do as well. And I think, you know, with the big East, I mean, they have Marquette coming up next, like you said, but I mean, DePaul is putting up hundred points every game they're playing. So mm-hmm. coach Bruno has got them going. So I think they're going to have, you know, especially with a team like DePaul that's pushing tempo like that and they don't have the numbers. I mean, I don't know when they play um, that game, but I think there may be some concerning alarm ringers in in the big East and, you know, it's not a cakewalk all the way through it. I think, you know, there's some teams that are struggling like Butler and I understand that, but it's, you know, they, they may hit some, some pitfalls in, in the big East. Yeah, they got so that they got Marquette um, coming up on after the break, first game after the break, December 29th at DePaul, December 31st, so New Year's Eve. There we go. Bingo. And then they they're coming here at Georgetown 
on the 5th of January, which that game is in ESA. It's at uh, ESA. And yeah, Creighton's a pretty good team. Oh, they play Oregon too. I did. I failed to see that on the schedule. They play or oh. they play at Oregon. Um, they lose that game. They're they're done in terms of the one seed. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm concerned. I think there's reason to be concerned. I think Gino's going to have to change a lot of what he's doing. I think though, getting this really long mm-hmm. break that might save him. We might come out to a new uh, a new UConn team. Okay, we gotta go lightning round because we All have right. like five minutes left. So okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. Just give me a quick thought on on, on it. Okay, uh, we've already mentioned this game. Number thirteen, Michigan, seventy four. Number five, Baylor, sixty eight. As you mentioned, for Michigan's first win over a top ten uh, program, Leah Brown had a big game. What are your thoughts? Love that game. Love that Nas Hillman uh, was fouled out in regulation, mm-hmm. and they went to a couple overtimes, and Michigan was still able to to get that win. I think that says a lot about Kim Barnes and Rico. And Leah Brown running up the court, pushing the floor down, yeah. saying too small on that Leah. That's encapsulated the whole game for me. That was that was just toughness by Michigan in that one. You can hear Kim Barnes Rico on uh, the latest podcast. Uh, I forget what the name of your other podcast is. Uh, Christie's Court on Film Sixty Eight. Christie's Court, the one that she does without me. Which, <laughs> well, whatever. I'm like, I'm not for mad. Now. About it. I'm not mad about it. Uh, another overtime game, number 17, Georgia, 82. Number two, NC State, 80. That's a big old win for Georgia against a really good NC State team. What did you think about it? Loved it. I loved the celebration of yeah. it as well. And, oh, my gosh, Joni was in there. They were jumping around. I just love that um, they had the, the guts and the courage and the fight in that game, and they displayed it in that overtime, and it was just fun to watch. Yep. And they just knew the momentum was building and they just knew that they had that win and you could feel it. It was awesome to see. Georgia a team that could give South Carolina one for their money. I, I'm excited so. to that matchup. I don't, I'd still pick South Carolina, pick South Carolina against everyone, but that's it. That's an interesting one. Okay. Moving on to WNBA coaching news. Pokey mm-hmm. Chapman interviewing for the Phoenix job. What's your action? Loved it. Um, actually sent her a message and she said, there are a lot of people that are in the running for that job, but I told her if I was GM, I would put her in there. I don't know, but again, I'm not a GM. I said that twice today on the podcast, but I would love to see her get back into the game. I mean, she's just such a wealth of knowledge, decades of experience. And I think that that team would learn something from her. Yeah. Letitia Chamel also in the running for the Phoenix mm-hmm. job, uh, which I think would be a great hire. Shelly Patterson in the mix for the New York job. She's been an assistant there for a while. I'd be very interested in that as a possibility for New York. I'd love Shelly. I'd love, you know, I just have so many connections with yeah. these coaches <laughs> that are up for these jobs. I, I think she would be magnificent. I mean, she's paid her dues. She's done the work and now it's time for her to reap the benefits. She's more than ready for that. Yep. I agree with that. And it'd be interesting. Although Becky Hammond's also in the mix there and there was an interesting conversation uh, that Cheryl Reeve had with uh, Leisha Clarendon and I believe Ariel Powers. They're all doing like this live show. Um, and she basically called out the NBA for saying it, it's saying it's a waste of time for women to expect a head coaching job in the NBA because of the culture that exists in the NBA in terms of diversity, equity and inclusion. She says that's basically just window dressing um, and, you know, the culture at the top with general managers is such that they will not hire a woman. Uh, I tend to agree with her mm-hmm. and I think. GMs are going to rue that decision once at least one GM starts hiring a woman head coach. 
I agree. I, I thank you for sending me that article because I hadn't seen it and, and what she said. I mean, Cheryl Reeve is a coach who, who has won, you know, four championships in a seven year span. <laughs> she was executive of the year a couple of seasons mm -hmm. ago. I just think that um, listening to what she has to say is is more valuable than than we are giving her um, the voice to have that kind of opinion. And I think more people need to hear what she had to say. And I think that it's it's very true. And she also said that, you know, they need to hire women, not just as coaches, but as GMs right. and decision makers. And that is what is going to move the needle in terms of giving women a chance to be on the sidelines and be the head coach of a men's team yeah. in the NBA or in college for that matter. I think yeah. that's going to change the, the narrative and change the story in terms of opportunity. And that's the word that, that I came out of that article with is having the opportunity. I mean, you have the skills and the ability. Now, where's the opportunity? Exactly. And I think that's what so many of us are waiting to see. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's a little ridiculous, honestly. Like I, yeah. I think we're still in the point in the NBA where you're hiring women as diversity hires or to keep someone off your back. So I think that's wrong. I think it's stupid. I think yeah. teams are missing out on a great talent pool. And uh, frankly, exactly. I like work. I like working with women more uh, personally. <laughs> so I would like to see that more, but it's just like, you're missing out on talented people by not really considering all the options in front of you. And I think if teams continue to do that, they're going to continue to uh, fail. And that's why I think you see a lot of teams that are failing. I think the teams that are more diverse and more inclusive yeah. are the teams that are tending to win more. I think the teams that are less inclusive and, and less focused on that lose a lot more. Um, so yeah. that, that's my take on it. And I appreciate Cheryl Reeve and Leisha Clarendon um, taking that up and, and saying it as it is because not a yeah. lot of people do that. Not a lot of people no. say it how it is. Yeah, we need to we need to be listeners and and not just listeners, but apply what we're hearing and listening to, and not just hear it and say, "Oh yeah, that's true," and then keep it moving. Like, no, that's true. And what are we going to do about it? Right. I think there needs to be more than just problem stating. There needs to be problem solving or right. issue solving by taking action. And you know, all the steps are laid out right there. There's a blueprint. But let's mm -hmm. see how that is uh, received and how that moves in our game. And I think the sooner the better. And I think it's going to happen, but I think it's going to be a process for sure. I, I think it is. Uh, I, hope, I hope it is at some point because it's stupid. It is stupid. If you're an MBA <laughs> person listening to this, you're an idiot if you're not seriously considering women for all your positions because it's, it's really dumb. You're eliminating half the talent pool. That's all I have to say on that. Um, we got Texas and Princeton going on now. I'll probably go watch that for a little bit. Princeton's actually really, really good. Um, yeah, Texas is up by 13 already, though. So there's that. Right. And then we have, uh, oh, Notre Dame DePaul tonight. Oh, oh that's really, that's, that's, a, that's yeah. an interesting, an interesting little matchup. Uh, and then we'll take the break like for it. Christmas. So, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Christy. Aww. I'm glad you're home. With the kiddos, I'll be flying to Miami tomorrow. Mm. Oh, poor thing, flying to Miami when it's freezing cold up here. You're gonna be at the palm trees and the sunset. Well, Merry Christmas to you anyway. Happy holidays to you and your family and enjoy the sunsets. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas to everybody. We will see you on the other side of the holiday. Always talking hoops here on Courtside with Christy and Gabe. We don't have to go home, but we have some eggnog and some other things we got to get doing for the holidays. <laughs> Thank you all for listening in on Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats podcast.
network 